success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today? Peggy Klaus is one of the most celebrated and sought after communication and leadership coaches, speakers, and authors in the United States. Peggy's journey to becoming a renowned coach began with a successful career as an actor, producer, director, and talent coach in Hollywood. Using her unique skill set, she has helped thousands of professionals from C-suite leaders to first-line managers thrive in their careers for the last three decades. Her programs for empowering women of all ages are globally recognized for their life-changing results. She is the author of two best-selling books, Brag, The Art of Tooting Your Own Horn Without Blowing It and the hard truth about soft skills, workplace lessons smart people wish they'd learn sooner. A true trailblazer, Peggy has shared her wisdom in academia through guest lectures at Harvard's Kennedy School and School of Public Health, Wharton's Executive MBA program, UC Berkeley's High School of Business, and the Public Policy Institute at Georgetown University. She has been honored with the prestigious Coach of the Year Award in 2016 for her exceptional expertise and her groundbreaking work has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, Fast Company, and Harvard Business Review. OMG, Peggy Klaus, welcome to She's Invincible. We are excited to have you with us today. And I can tell, and I am equally excited. Thank oh my you. gosh, what a journey. What a journey. Talk about invincible. Holy smokes. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible? You know, Cammie, I think that my career has been like that movie, The Accidental Tourist, but I call it The Accidental Career because I didn't plan to be a consultant or a coach or an author when I was six years old. You know, growing up, I thought I would be a lawyer like my father and I got to college and I got very involved in politics and started working with Ralph Nader. And so I thought, well, I'll be a politician. But then I started studying acting and singing and my political aspirations were quickly forgotten. And I went off to graduate school in London. And when I came back to the States, I acted and directed and produced, just like you said, coach performers for theater, TV and film broadcast. 
And um, after a few years in Hollywood, working primarily on sitcoms, I realized it really wasn't for me. It didn't really fill me up. So when several of my friends who were much smarter than I were, with climbing the ladder on Wall Street, they called and asked me to help them with their pitches and media interviews. And I said, sure. Of course, I knew nothing about financial services. I didn't know asset management from a bond, um, which they thought was very funny. But the thing is, I loved working with them and I didn't need to know what they knew. I just needed to do what I had done with anchor people and musicians and actors, which was to figure out what was unique and special about them and then bring that out. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. So that, you know, um, I started out truly helping them on everything from interpersonal and presentational communication, things from pitches and speeches, IPOs, media interviews, testifying in front of Congress. And then I began working with them on leadership coaching as well. And several years later, I put a focus on women in leadership around issues of executive presence, of confidence, courage, self-promotion. And um, and here we are. Here we are. You've written books. You're you're speaking on big stages for big companies. So exciting. What a journey. Like you really can say I've done it all, Uh, you know, from politicians to to Hollywood, to acting, singing, writing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Your clients are so lucky to have someone like you that has that much experience and has seen it all. And I love, love, love having you here with us. So tell us what makes you invincible? Well, let's see if invincible means never giving up. And when things knock you down, always, you know, getting back up. Uh, I think that I will have to say that I learned this from a very early age. And that is because I lost both of my parents very young. And so I needed to figure out how I was going to be resilient. And I think a huge lesson for me in losing my mom at 10 and my dad at 25, at 21, actually, was um, that no one was going to do it for me, that I really had to do it. And that doesn't mean, Cammie, that I didn't have support and love from family members and from friends, parents, because I did. But I knew how quickly things could be taken away from you and that you had to leave, you know, a mark in this world and you had to live every day as if perhaps not your last, but make it really count. And so I think that's what's, if we're talking about getting back up and never giving up and being resilient, it would really stem from that. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. And I did not know that about your parents. So that explains a lot, uh, really fills in the blanks for the mm-hmm. life that you're living. You're really squeezing every inch of life out of life. And I love that. Like squeeze it like a lemon, right? Oh my gosh. Well, let's jump in. Let's talk about how women can get ahead without selling out. That's so big, right? Especially where you come from, because you've seen it in politics. You've seen it. I mean, Hollywood, holy smokes, right? If anybody knows this story, you do. (laughs) So tell us about that and how this is what we talked about a little bit earlier was uh, I think is so important is how to navigate bragging in the workplace because we never want to, you know, we want to stay humble um, yet, but we want to build credibility, right? We want to, we want to take our place where it's earned, but we also somehow need to stay somewhat humble. Maybe I'm not even using the right word, but let's jump in and let's talk about these things are so important. Okay. Well, Let's look at the idea, and I'll put this in air quotes, selling out. I think first, each person needs to think about what is selling out to her? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Uh, For example, I had a colleague right when I was starting my career. I was mostly doing theater. And I got an opportunity to go into television. And she called me a sellout. And I was so taken aback by that because I thought she would be happy for me. And it took me a while and took me another friend to say to me, Peg, she's jealous. And It was only then that I was able to see that envy played a big part in her telling me that I was selling out. Um, But I really think that everyone has to make that decision for themselves in terms of what their purpose is in life, what their values are, where they are in that particular time in their life. Um, I've had clients say to me, well, I would really like to do X, but my financial situation is Y and won't let me do that. And I said, well, okay, can you do this job? right now, the best that you can with the values that you have, because you know that it's going to fulfill a financial purpose. And if you're okay with that, then do it for as long as you need to, and then move on. So that's what I would, I would say to that. And in terms of how to navigate bragging in the workplace, um, first of all, You know, I'm a huge proponent of good bragging as opposed to bad bragging. And I do think there is a difference. Um, You know, good bragging is artful. It's graceful. It's gracious. Bad bragging are all the things that we think about when we (laughs) think about uh, people that we know who are braggarts who are bad braggers. Um, They're obnoxious, they're condescending, they're self-aggrandizing, they're boorish. Um, And people, I think, conflate bragging 
always with those kind of uh, negative connotations, Cammie. And let me ask you this real quick. So under this bragging, does does this fall under it of like that whole one upping someone like you're sharing great news and someone else is like, oh, well, I did this right. Uh, Like, oh, my gosh. Like, where do we bury that? (laughs) No, no, no. That is um, certainly condescending one upping. It is one of my favorites is the non sequitur. So, Cammy, if you came to me and you said, Peggy, I am so delighted. I have hit my five million podcast. I've got millions of people listening to me. And I say to you, oh, Cammy, that reminds me of this great trip I'm about to take to Italy. Uh, what? It's what I call the non sequitur. It's a way of bringing the conversation back to me, right? Yes, yes. And all of these things that we know when someone talks incessantly about themselves, when they do the non sequitur, when they give you a laundry list of I, 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 oh, I, I do this, I do that, I did, and I'm running the New York City Marathon in the morning on Sunday and during cancer in the afternoon. It is horribly boring and obnoxious. So there, yes, there's a lot of behaviors that we need to ascribe to bad bragging. But um, that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is feeling that you have to be so humble that you never take pride in yourself and you never express it. And that I find is ineffectual humbleness. There is a place in that middle, the sweet spot, but we tend to see it on both ends of the spectrum. And I think that is really detrimental to professionals. I love that you're saying this because I've seen so many great, talented people get overlooked because they do that, because they're so humble, they don't share any of their success and any of the things that they've done that uh, would help their credibility. And I love what you're saying here, because there has to be that balance that, you know, you do stand out, but you're not, you know, as we say, bragging, right? <laughs> no, and, and there is a way uh, to do this. And I, I created a word called a, a brag a lot, which is a meshing of monologue with some bragging tidbits that are woven together in a conversational manner said with energy and enthusiasm and delight. And these bragalogs are short, pithy descriptions about the things that you're doing or have done or hope to do in the future. So it's not this laundry list of I, 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 I. And it is entertaining and interesting and focused to the audience that you're talking to. I love it. 
I love it so much. So I find a lot of times in, well, I teach podcasting, right? So I teach groups and a lot of time we have great success. We, our podcasters come out, they launch in the top of their categories and they're very humble about it. And so I find like as the leader that I'm the one that's out there bragging for them. And I'm like, come on, you're not telling them you're great news. So I feel like I'm the one always pushing them in the front. So, and a lot of times like the natural tendency is to hold back. So, um, right. so I think that, you know, some people need to learn or be taught what is right. And I love that you wrote a book about this. Well, we do need to be taught because there are things that I call bragging myths that keep us from taking pride in, in what we've accomplished. And in our culture, in our society, our families, our religions, we are told from a very early age, Cami, that we need to really be humble. And in various cultures, it means different things. So you've got humility as a virtue. Pride cometh before the fall. It's a sin. Uh, nice girls don't do it. You'll never get a husband if you take center stage and talk about yourself. Uh, you know, in Asia, it's the tallest nail get, gets hit first. Um, in Australia, it's the tall poppy syndrome. You don't want to be the tallest in the row of poppies or you get your head cut off by a machete. So every culture has this, but we see it in such black and white terms. And I really ask for people to think about it in the middle, that how you can do it. And you asked previously how to navigate bragging in the workplace. And, yes. and what I would suggest to your listeners is, first of all, know the, your workplace, know the culture, what is acceptable in that workplace. Is it one where people feel very comfortable talking about you know, the latest deal they did or getting so-and-so on the phone, it, you know, it's very convivial and people feel fine about doing that. You should know what's acceptable to your boss because some people are in a very accepting workplace environment, but their boss will say, don't brag, you know, and what I would like say- the bragger, right? Right. And what I would say to that is that you have to look at that boss's communication style and you have to figure out how to weave your story so that it is even more subtle than you would probably do in the greater, broader environment. I love what you're saying here, because this this reminds me of like how I when I transitioned, I was in direct sales for 28 years. And in direct sales, we always told about our accomplishments. We we shared our checks like we were, were working for our highest check. And if we had a twenty five thousand dollar check that month, we were telling everybody. But it wasn't to impress them. It was to impress upon them that that they could do it, too, that that was achievable. It was acceptable. And then I go into this, you know, coaching place where I'm, you know, running a company and a school. And it's like, you can't really talk about how much money you make and, you know, those things. And it's so funny because it's even like you said, know your boss. Well, I am my own boss in both of those places, but 
one place was very open and accepting and actually a lifeline when you shared that it encouraged other people. And the other one is braggadocious, right? So it's like, oh, look at that hot stuff. She thinks she's all that. So I know. So I love that. And it just can go so deep. But I love like what you're saying here is just be aware, right? Be aware of where you are, who, who you're working with. And what is acceptable in there? And now what about women in in particular? Like this Mm -hmm. irritates me. Um, You know, the guys go out on the golf course and they're talking about landing the big gig and this, that, and the other thing, you know, and then as women or even as little girls, right, we're told like, talk less and listen more, right? You should be seen and not heard. Like we have all these messages that were meant to like squash us down. And like, how do we break out of that? Well, first of all, I think that you have to go and look at the bragging myths and the biases that you have grown up with and that you still carry with you. Because until you know, until you have that data, Cami, you are assuming a lot of things. So I suggest for people to sit with themselves, uh, either talk it into a um recorder or write these things down what are the what are the things that you're still carrying around that prevent you from taking these on why are you carrying these things around one of the significant questions i ask pretty much every client i work with is what's the payoff for you to continue this behavior because every behavior that you do has a payoff, both what you consider positive as well as negative. But you are getting those payoffs. And then you need to decide, okay, well, hmm, am I willing to keep doing this behavior and keep getting the same caca that I keep getting? Or am I willing to break out and change that behavior? Because you are stuck if you keep doing the same stuff and getting the same result. Yeah, isn't that the definition of insanity? Total insanity. And I love what you said about willing, right? Because it really is our choice. We and we if we're either willing or we're not. And like I sometimes will ask myself like what is this costing me? What is this this way of thinking or this thought process or whatever it is where I am. What is this costing me? And I love what you're saying. What's the payoff? What's the payout here? That is fantastic. Hmm. So what would you say to women today, right? So it's so different today. What are you saying different today to help women break out of this? Well, I have, I think, as you and I have discussed, created a course called Unstoppable. And the reason I'm mentioning this, not only because I'm very proud of it, but because creating this course and using my 20 plus years of working with women and leadership led me to examine what it is that keeps women from stepping into their power, stepping into the light. 
I was working with some political candidates in 2020. And I realized that if we as women did not step up, that um, I didn't know if the world would continue, that we need everyone um, to really step up and do whatever it is that they can. And so I looked at it, Cami, in terms of the shadows that keep women from doing that. And what I found is that these shadows are lack of confidence, courage, risk-taking, inability to self-promote, risks, and uh, executive presence. I put this in a kind of rubric. Mm -hmm. And then I created uh, modules that dealt with each of them. And um, that's what I think women have got to look at. What are the shadows that keep them from stepping up? And again, As I said before, unless you really have the data there and can look at it and say, this is the behavior that I do. This is what I'm fearful of. What's it going to take for me to break out of that? Um, That's that's the that's the work that has to be done. I love too what you said, and this is just going back because this reminded me again of just sit with yourself, right? Like you need to sit with yourself and and decide like how much of this is I'm going to carry these old stories and messages. Am I going to carry into this new place because they will hold us back? And I love what you're saying here. Of all the women that you have worked with or or you know spoken with. Trans, transformed, right? Because we know that's that's what you do, your transformation. Um, what would you say is a common theme? There's so we we talk about all these different things, but which one is the one that stands out the most? Oh, I wish I didn't have to say this. I know. <laughs> when I started my unstoppable work, I created a survey. And I asked um, probably hundreds of women, what characteristic do you wish you had had growing up or you wish you had had more of now? And every single woman from Generation Z to the oldest being my voice coach at 100 said confidence. confidence. I wish I'd had more confidence. Oh, so here's the question. This this is the long and short then, right? Is, you know, there's no easy way here for confidence. But what would you say is the most direct route to feeling? Because confidence is a feeling, right? What would you say is the direct route to increasing your confidence without taking the long road? 
Is there any, I, cause I mean, some people don't have time, right? Like your 100 year old voice coach cannot take the long scenic route to increasing her confidence. So if there was anything that someone could do today, just one, one thing that could just increase their confidence a little bit or enough to get them to take that next step, what would you say? Yeah. I would, given everything I've said about getting the data and what's the payoff for you, not to do this, I would say to uh, uh, to your your listeners to ask themselves, If I don't do this, how will I feel about myself? And then if we want to go tactical, what can I do to make that happen? Well, I need to take a risk. I need to uh, activate courage. And and my confidence that I can do it. I've done it before. Um, so what if I fail? So that goes into, you know, the tactical of that. I love that. You know, and I used to say this all the time and I got away from it was like, but you need to have that three seconds of courage. Right. It only takes like just a second to like make that decision and jump. It does, you don't need a day's worth of courage or a week's worth of courage. You just need that moment of like, I can do it and I'm going to. And then boom, whatever happens. And, you know, I love what you just said, because you know, so many times you hear people on their deathbed and they talk about their regrets and they never talk about regretting something they did, even if it didn't turn out well, they always regret the things they didn't do. And what I think if they, they regret that they didn't do it sooner. Right. Like, and right? some didn't do it at all. Right. Some didn't do it at all. Never will have a chance to. Right. And I think that if we can keep that in mind, like, I'm going to regret this if I don't do it. I wonder if that would help. I think we should start trying that. <laughs> right. We should start a movement. Like, am I going to regret this? Oh my gosh. No. Right. right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so good. All right. Any last things you want to talk to our listeners about with this bragging and bragging in the workplace and bragging mm. anywhere and having yeah. confidence? I do. I think it's really important for your listeners to know that this is critical to their success in their career. Uh, Not only anecdotally from the 20 years I have since the book came out, but also research. And it will stall or derail people in their career if they do not learn how to talk about themselves and their successes, the obstacles they've overcome um, because, you know, and women really have a difficult time with this in that we put our heads down. We do great work. We promote everybody else on the team. And then we get passed over and we get really pissed off. 
I've seen this happen so often, as I am sure you have, Cami. And if you don't, no one is going to do it for you. If for some reason you are blessed with a boss or a colleague or your boss's boss that thinks you're fabulous and toots your horn, how great. But I would say you might come in at like 2% of the population and your leaders do not have the bandwidth or the energy to do that for you. So you need to do it for yourself. And just as we all voice how proud we are of our kids, of our siblings, parents, friends, how is it that we can't do it for ourselves? It's the truth that most people will do more for other people than they will for themselves. That's why teamwork works, right? Because the team will do it for everyone else, like everyone on the team. But I totally agree with you. And one last thought, and this this is one that I have seen many, many times, is that women especially care about what other people think. Can you can you just de debunk that right now for us? <laughs> because I would love I mean, I know how I feel about that, but I would love to hear how you feel about that, because I think that holds them back right from a lot of things. Absolutely. If you're so worried about what people are saying and thinking about you um, to such an extent that it prohibits you from doing the things and acting the way that you want, you again are really stuck. Um, I, uh, you know, from very early on, uh, my mother said to me, if you don't have anything nice to say, Peggy, don't say it at all. And then when I got to 40, which I wish had happened when I was 20, but I, you know, I heard her words and I said, well, if I don't have anything nice to say, I'm saying it louder. And that has held me in very good stead and has allowed me to be a lot more honest and direct than I was prior to 40. And um, I think it's really important. You know, who are you trying to please? Why are you trying to please them? Um, of course, other people's opinions matter. But when you're fixated on them, it will really strangle your personality. It suffocates you, right? Oh right. my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love that. If you have nothing nice to say, say it louder. <laughs> oh yes. For the people in the back of the room, right? <laughs> oh, Peggy, this has been such a great conversation. Oh my gosh. So I know we talked a little bit about your book and also the Unstoppable Program, but let's dive in a little bit on that. Uh, first of all, Tell us about the, I know you created it. You told us why you created it in the different modules, but tell us about what you haven't told us about the Unstoppable program. Uh, yeah, what it is, is I custom design all of my workshops. So Unstoppable is about uh, 12 different sessions, which companies can either purchase as as is and we design certain things around it that could be virtual or in person or one to one coaching which has already started to happen um but it takes all of those shadows 
and works them. And um, so that's what I'm offering. And I think next year, what I'll do is I am planning to take it online. And I love that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you that. Like, are you currently just working with big companies and are you going to be working individually with entrepreneurs or small businesses that that need your help? Sure. And I am open to that. And I'm an executive coach. So I work with, you know, folks from the C-suite to first line managers to um, people just, you know, junior associates, that kind of thing. Um but uh, I did do a pilot, which was online, of 10 women who did not know each other. And so that's where I honed um, the workshop. So that's unstoppable. And uh, what else would you like? Your books. I want to talk books, about. Yes. Books. Oh, my gosh. So you have two books you've written. So tell us about each one and tell us why people need to get this in their hands. And what is going? What are they going to learn? How is oh. this going to change that things for them? Well, uh, you know, I wrote Bragg. It came out in 2003. Got an inordinate amount of media attention. Uh, but at that time, I will say that I had a fair amount of flogging as well from journalists who said, well, you're, you're teaching us how to be obnoxious and disgusting and self-aggrandizing. And finally, probably after the fourth interview, I said, you know what? That's exactly why I wrote the book, because I think that we need more obnoxious, disgusting, self-aggrandizing people in the world. And uh, then when they got the snarkiness and the sarcasm, uh, they they stopped. Now, fast forward to the recession in 2008, and those same journalists came back begging me to uh, do an interview to help all of those who were unemployed. So I think it has gotten um, a better rap. Uh, now and the fact that I am still talking about this and the book is still selling says that this is an issue that is really uh, paramount in people's careers. So um, that I feel I love I love the book and I uh, stand behind it 100 percent and I'm delighted people are still wanting to read it. Um, in terms of the second book, um, The Hard Truth About Soft Skills, it was a compilation of lessons from my clients over, I think at that point it was um, 15 years, and just the struggles and the challenges and the successes that they had. And if I could in any way give that to uh, people who were reading the book to make it easier. That was really my thought. I love it. And you know, you were ahead of your time because in 2003, when they were saying you were doing all those things, I feel like I would have said, hold my beer, right? And then welcome to 2023 because only the strong survive. And if they're not, if they haven't read your book and they haven't learned from you, then they need to, or they're going down <laughs> because this world is cruel and unusual. Uh, and it it is, it's getting harder and harder and harder. And, uh, you know, and I, I want to say, uh, I'm sad to say, and especially for women, right? Yeah. So it's still, we're, we're still not there. We're, we're working hard, but we're still not, there. not there. 
and you were way ahead of your time by 20 years to prepare people for what we are enduring today. So thank you. Thank thank you. you. Because you have to be courageous for you to be able to have those conversations, be able to publish them and put them out there for the whole world to see it. And then have the, you know, the courage to take the hits uh, and still stay strong. And you did that. And so thank you, because that means a lot. And we need more, more leaders more women leaders like you to help us to secure our place and to help us to grow more confidence and step up and take our place in this world. So thank you for all of that. Let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure. I have a website, uh, www.peggyclass.com. It has more information than you can possibly uh, probably need or want, but go. Uh, There's my newsletters. Sign up for them if you'd like. Um, So far, I've been doing the monthly things that just uh, I feel I want to talk about and are relevant, prescient to um, the workplace and the times. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Peggy. This has been such a great conversation. Mm -hmm. What a joy to have you here. Surely you are invincible and just just a joy to have here to have the conversations and share so much of your wisdom and knowledge to empower and inspire other women to step up and take their place. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment, 
we can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. You know, on She's Invincible, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to share their expert zone of genius. And I think we have done that so beautifully with you today. So thank you for that. But we're not done because while we're spotlighting a fierce female entrepreneur, we also promise our listeners that we're going to pull back the curtain, that we're going to share why we're sharing the success that you've worked so hard for and that you're enjoying today. We also want to give uh, just, you know, honor to the journey. We want to show people you're not lucky. You just worked really hard. Then the harder you work, the luckier you got. Um, but that there was, you know, you're normal too, right? In a sense of you had to take the journey, you had to face the obstacles and you had to overcome each one to have the success that you're enjoying today. So are you ready to tell some fun stories? I, 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 that's what we've been doing the whole time. We were just warming up because Whoa. now we're going to go into the good. So tell us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Mm. Well, I think the good, uh, without sounding like a Pollyanna, Cammy, I really think that it has to be working with people who are really committed to being the best versions of themselves. They're committed fiercely to learning, to hearing where their blind spots are. And God knows I tell them often enough and um, that they're willing to do the intellectual and the emotional work and have me walk beside them as they do it. Because as you know, as a coach, it's not easy to stay open, uh, to explore. And I get to take this adventure with them. And I get to stay curious and humble <laughs> in a good way. Yes. And also uh, to help figure out some really complex people and issues. And I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. I love that. That is so fun. When you enjoy your work so much, how amazing. It's so amazing. Okay, we're going to talk about the bad. So we'll save the ugly for last. But okay. tell us a story about the bad part of the journey. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so being people have called me driven and it's a uh, word that I never accepted until about two years ago. Uh, but I would say that being driven and really wanting to solve problems and do it quickly, recognizing that I can't fix anyone. I can't fix 
a situation that is toxic, all I can do is and assist. And uh, that is really uh, difficult for someone who is pretty driven and problem solving. And, um, you know, I guess I'd have to say a little bit controlling. Yeah, that's hard as a coach, right? Because as a coach, we want to go in there and be like, step aside, right? I can do this. I can fix this. I know how to fix this. Uh, And yet we can't because we have to bring out the best in the others because, we have to empower them by letting them figure it out. And yet that takes so much patience. <laughs> ah, and then, well, you get two kinds, right? You have that. And then you have the ones who come in and they're like, okay, I'm here, fix me. Right. Uh, and no. we're like, oh no, no, you didn't pay me to fix you. You paid me to help you fix yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they sure. think, you know, no, I'm not cutting your grass, right? You can't pay me to cut your grass. Well, oh, it's, you know, I learned this, I think, or I started to learn this as I was directing. And, you know, I have a vision in my head about what I want this play to look like or this TV production. And yet you're dealing with people who have their own ideas. And so how do you uh, come together to make something that is truly wonderful? So, you know, I had to start learning that early on. Oh, and that's I think that's the hardest part about leadership. I know you teach and talk a lot about leadership. Um, And that is such a difficult, I think, thing, because we have to be patient. And most of us are not patient, but we have to let them go through the motions. And we're like, we could fix this in 10 seconds or less. (laughs) We know the answer. We know the solution. We've seen the problem a million times. And Just yet do it. Just yes. do it. Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. yet there's they have to go through that. It's like the butterfly, right? Like they have to go through that painful process to have that tra- that beautiful transformation. And if we cut it short because we know the answer, then they don't get that beautiful transformation. And that, I think, is such a hard thing about coaching. Um Beautiful, but very difficult. It takes a lot of work. Oh my gosh. We're we're all transforming in the process, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like uh bite your tongue and suck the blood. <laughs> I feel like I can say that. You're from Philly. I'm from Philly. I get <laughs> we that. Didn't reference. Even talk about that. Yeah. So oh my gosh. Okay. So let's move on to the ugly. So tell us the ugly part of the journey mm. that you've had to endure so far. Oh. Let's see. Um, I don't think there have been many. I think one I would say about getting a lot of pushback when the book came out for a couple of years um, and really having to push, you know what, uphill. Um, So I think the recession, 2008, was difficult because um, although I really did see it coming, it was being responsible for my colleagues and being able to sustain the business, not only for myself, but for them as well. And I knew that consultants are the first things that get cut. Yeah. And so 
how to maintain my optimism and resiliency and uh, invincibility and also do that for my colleagues. That's a big responsibility that I think too many people don't even understand or have the knowledge of Mm -hmm. is, you know, when you take on a staff and they're counting on you. Now you're not just trying to, you know, you're not up all night trying to figure out how you're going to do it. You're up all night trying to figure out how you're going to do it for them, right? Bring in exactly. enough business, pay their bills, you know, and all of a sudden we take the back seat and now we're more worried about them uh, being able to feed their families and have a place to live than exactly. we are about ourselves. And that is a big burden. Again, though, you know, would you have ever grown to where you are today had you not taken those risks and endured those things, you know, we we look at the the good, the bad and the ugly. And at the end of the day, I know we're not thinking about this as we're going through it. But at the end of the day, we can honestly look back and say, I am who I am. I did what I did because of the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. It It's the thing that took me to where I am. And I would never be as good as I am today had I not endure that. Like, look at the empathy that you have for other people because you were in a place where they're, they were on your back, right? Like you knew what that felt like. So you definitely understand. And I think that that allows us to put ourselves in other people's shoes and really Mm -hmm. empathize uh, and do the best we can when we work with them. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I come back to the Buddhist, excuse me, phrase, there is joy and there is sorrow and you don't get one without the other. So beautiful. Wow. That's not a mic drop moment right there. We just dropped the mic. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this has been so amazing. Um, and to our listeners, the links are all in the show notes. So reach out to Peggy, get on her website, get all the information and connect with her so she can help you along your journey and uh, support you and help you with your transformation. Peggy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being invincible. But more than that, thank you for being authentic, for being willing to share. A lot of people have a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom and they don't share it. And that doesn't help anyone. So thank you for so being so open, sharing so honestly, and really with a servant's heart to really impact the world, uh, to help other women help other leaders and just steer them in the right direction. I hope that they will all click the link to your book that's in the show notes to read that book. It is more relevant today, uh, 20 years later, right? Now that the world is where it is. And as you talked about 2008, we're also in a place right now that's similar, that could go in that same direction. So we're not out of the woods. And this is a relevant topic. And we do need to connect with the leaders like you that can help us navigate these tricky times. So thank you. Thank you so much. And to our listener, oh my gosh, what a joy. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up. Just get back up, girl. I know you feel like you can't do it, but we're here to tell you, you can, and you need to trust us. Just get back up. You can do anything. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at CammieLeeman.com. I can't wait to meet you.